700 footprints between your front porch and mine. We have 18 years to count them up in time. Welcome to this episode of The Art Box, recording from the 39th Annual Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association provides creative opportunities for all ages. Get creative with us at the Mesquite Fine Arts Center, located at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartscenter.com or on Facebook, The Art Box. Doris Daly and her husband Doc this year and we had Doris last year and you certainly gave one of my favorite poems which has been on my cell phone and I'll get people aside hey listen to this listen to this welcome Doris and Doc we're thank so you. thank you and appreciative that you're spending some time with us today happy to be here Doris you are an accomplished artist here and we just found out that Doc is also a writer. Uh, I do some cowboy poetry and some western music. Excellent. That's probably how we met is in a green room. Well we know that's how we met. We, it could be a, in Colorado or maybe Nebraska but years and years and years ago when we were on shows oh, together. Yeah. Oh you're here. Oh by golly you're here. Uh-huh. And so life threw us together. Oh, well, that's through, the, through a love of uh, our, our nerdy love of words. <laughs> so we were just going to ask you what's changed since last year. Has this cha- is this a change from last year, or were you already together? Last we, oh, we were definitely already okay. together. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. We're married about seven years ago. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I moved from my home in Colorado to to our small town, Diamond Valley, Alberta. Okay. I'll move from a city of two million to a town of two thousand, where. The first few weeks there, he would sometimes say, I thought, I knew you knew a lot of people here, but I didn't know you also knew all the dogs. Because he'd say, oh, there's Abby, and so that must be Ron. Oh, there's um, there's Dallas, so it must be Leslie. And so, yep, we, that's, that's small town life. We totally get that. We're in a retirement community where everybody has a dog, and you meet the owners of the dogs, uh-huh. through the dogs. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you're touring right now? We are touring. Well, every year is different for us. And in our life, you can, you're, we love it when you invite us both, but we're just equally happy when you invite just Doc or just me because the presenter knows if they're looking for a songwriter or they want a poet. So sometimes we are on the show together. And sometimes, like at Elko this year, it's um, me that's on the show, and then Al has come along with the car, and we will do a road trip after this, eventually heading for Alpine, Texas, to the Lone Star Cowboy Gathering, I guess uh, it's will, you, will you both perform there? Yes, we've got a shared set to do, oh, okay. and, um, and I know you're hikers, so we're, we're thrilled to go to the Lone Star Cowboy Gathering. Love that one. And we're also thrilled to go to... Big Bend National Park oh, on, the, on the Rio Grande River on the U.S.-Mexican border. It's uh, we just love it. It's a, it's. Oh, you've uh, been there before. We've been there and yeah. we hiked there, and uh, it, there's some magic that goes on in yeah, that high desert park. Magic. You know, I love it there too. And shoot, I'm going to tell a story of mine. Uh, but my wife and I are there. We're hiking a little bit, and we find these um, these little figures made out of wire and beads. 
okay, there was a scorpion, there was an acatillo. Are they just here? Well, there was a little cup to put the money. Oh, I know where you were. So then we went, we went over and looked down across the river and there was a guy over there and we waved hi and he waved hi and we talked. So I guess he takes his boat. he was in Mexico? He is in Mexico Mm -hmm. and he brings his Mm -hmm. little things over and we had a couple of dollars and we didn't have any more money. Okay, so we went in the car. I'm sure everybody's torn apart their car and gotten all the pennies and looked under the seats yeah. and everything. And we, we got enough money to, to, to put fill, it in the cup. Put it in yeah. the cup. Yeah, we know that's <laughs> yes, it's, I mean, it's on the east side of the park down that long, long yeah. road. Yeah. Well, we love Big Bend and we love the Texas gathering. And then because Al's from Colorado, we'll drive home through Colorado. We'll see family in Colorado, friends in yeah. Wyoming, and yeah. finally make the loop back home to Alberta. Yeah. And then we're back uh, in October to go to Durango. Uh, there's a really nice cowboy gathering in, in Durango, the south, where's Durango? South Southwest of corner yeah. of Colorado. Yeah. Uh, they do a beautiful job. I think they've been doing their show for 25 years or more, though it's a, it's a delightful show. And I especially like the, uh, the Saturday morning parade where all the poets and musicians are up in the wagon riding in the parade. Oh, oh that's right. great. How come there's no parade here? <laughs> well, it's snowy now. Look out, it's yes. snow. <laughs> so, Doc, I'm always interested in the creative process and how does that work as far as sitting down and writing a song? Does it is it a slow process? Does it come to you? You explain. I'm happy this. to answer this question because Doris and I come to this differently. I'm lucky because every so often a muse visits me and puts an idea in my ear, and a song or a poem is written in an hour. Now, maybe it gets some editing and refinement, and, but my philosophy is when, the, when there's a voice in your head, write down what it said. And that's kind of how the creative process comes to me. Sometimes I see a little phrase or I see a little note or something and I think, oh boy, that, that, I like the twist of that. that, that I, I can see that coming into a song or a poem. And that idea might sit for a long time. We just had a move from one house to another house recently. And, I, and a, a, a lot of things went into storage, including a lot of clothing. And I thought, I better keep one suit out because you never know, somebody might pass. And by golly, somebody passed. And I, so there's a song that that morning, I keep one suit in the closet because. <laughs> and so there are little things like that that you just want, you just keep your eyes open to life. You keep your ear open to comment that happens across the room. Sure. And, and Doris has more than one story about how the few words that someone said, she takes it home and says, yeah, that's my, that's my next poem. The one that you like, Yeah. that's how that poem. When, those, when the sisters looked up and said, oh, look at us at our Million Star Resort. <laughs> Ding. So, Doc said that his creative process was a little bit different than yours. Uh-huh. You 180 degrees different. Tell us a little bit about my, that. My, I work on every line. It's not very, a, a win for me is when four lines, only four lines come naturally and smoothly. That's a big deal, but for the most part, I work hard for every line and then I too go back and revise, revise, revise. In fact, the revision and the editing is even is the bigger part of my writing life than, than the writing it down. But here's a little insider secret bit of information about me. I don't like writing, but I like the feeling at the end of the day of having written something. Sure. So when people say it's work to write, 
it, it really is for me. But, you know, I will say too, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. So I, I'm always thinking of a clever rhyme or an internal rhyme and that slows the writing process. Uh, but you're clever, Al, like all, like all of your plays on words. That's not the muse talking. Uh, more often than not, I, oh, I would gosh. say it is. So, so oh, wow. a clever twist of words or a pun or a... Sometimes I start with that idea and write backwards. Sometimes you have the last line of the chorus. For that's, sure. That's, yeah. Do you really? There's a, oh, yeah. that's common that you oh. say, there's the hook, there's the funny line, there's the... Yeah. There, and then you write, you say, well, how do I get there? So that that'll be the last song, the last line. So I'll give you an example of that. I thought of the phrase black and blue, like if you've been in a fist fight and you're all bruised up, you're black and blue. And I thought, I'm going to write a song about the black and blues. And it'll be a blues song. It'll be a barroom fight or something. The black and blues. And as I started to try to sing that, I couldn't sing it. It doesn't come out right. Black, black and blues. It's too hard to make those words. I kept singing black and blues. And I realized this isn't about a barroom fight. This is about food that's been overcooked. And <laughs> well, overcooked, it could so, be a blackened steak. So it, it is so, all of that. It, it is all over about over and over and yeah, over again. So, so uh, another example where where a couple of words, a, a little pun, a little twist, becomes a poem or a song. Sometimes a poem or a song is, is fairly well written, and then what I find is really important piece of editing happens as you're memorizing it, as you're starting to sing it or or say it. Because sometimes your mouth knows the right word, even though your brain wrote down a different word. And sometimes as I'm memorizing it, my mouth will say the wrong word. But, but it came out so beautifully and easily, or maybe it had a little internal rhyme, or maybe it was the right number of syllables instead of the wrong number of syllables. And so, oh, there's the edit. That, and so it's wrong to say the muse gives me the final finished poem and, or the finished song and it's finished. There's a lot of editing that goes into the one you want to put on stage or you want to record. Now, when do you guys write? Is it just any time? Could, oh. could you be in the car riding somewhere and be at a meeting? And Not me, but maybe you. Uh, sometimes know. when we come to an event like this, we go home with an idea. In yeah. Oh, lots of times. But he's saying, when do you write? Like from 6 to 8 every morning, disciplined, rain or shine. Never, no. never. Yeah. So for me, a deadline is a, is a great motivator. So at home, I'm part of a poetry group, which I love very, very much. Every style of poetry and writing you could think of, and it's always the last Thursday of the month. So that last week of the month, that's a deadline for me. So until that is looming, I'm not likely to be a disciplined yeah. enough writer. I, so the I, stress adds to the creative process. Uh, it's not even, it's, it's, uh, well, it's stress, it's, uh, it's, I, mm, it's not stress, but it's um, commitment. Um, I've been at Elko f 15 out of the last 20 years. I, I don't know if that's exactly true, but many, many times. And so I want to show up with something new or something fresh um, because people have listened to me plenty and <laughs> they don't need to hear a million star resort over and over and over again. So, so that's not stress, that's just a good motivator for me um, out of respect for my poetry group, because I'm the leader, not because I'm the poet, but because I like to bake. And I've said many years, May Jan, maybe you'd like to lead. Della, maybe you'd like to lead this year. No, 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 we like your blueberry coffee cake too much, so you have to be this. So, so okay. Um, and my, my goodness, if I'm leading a poetry group, 
the very the the one person who better show up with a poem every month is the person who's trying I to keep guess. the gift. There's a lot that, of pressure. Yeah. Well, it's I, but I, it's it's just an obligation. It's the night. It's the sweetest, nicest, loveliest motivation. Um, yeah. th there's no pressure, but I respect poetry and I respect audiences too much to not to try to. I always have one eye on the calendar and thinking, oh, I gotta write something new now because. Frankly, I'd, I'd rather bake than write. Well, do you have a poem about blueberry coffee cakes? Uh, I guess I don't. Uh, maybe I'll, that, maybe that'll be maybe the next Maybe that'll be a request next maybe year. Maybe that'll be the next one, yeah. We have interviewed several visual artists as well, and if they get stuck, they might put a painting aside and they might work on three or four or even five pieces at a time. Do you do that with your writing? Do you ever get really stuck? and? Maybe it sets in the closet for even a year or more, and then you pull it out and say, oh, I'm glad I didn't throw this away. This isn't too bad. I think I can work on it more now. I never do, because, okay. because if I'm stuck, Elle's right, sometimes maybe the last, not deliberately with me, maybe for you, but it, I write the piece, galloping, galloping through, or going slow, or, oh, it's been several hours already. And then I look back and say, yes, but the last verse I wrote, oh, it's the first verse. I didn't know it at the time, but if I put it up here, and so I'm changing the order, but if I'm stuck working towards the ending, or stuck on a solving a rhyming problem, I know that it's not going to be any easier for me to solve tomorrow or a week from now. So that, while that is a very good idea, it does not work for me. So I have a new one, and it's a just a silly little vignette from my childhood about having a pet in the house, which my mom wasn't big on, and little story. And when you're a person who writes rhymed poetry, well, house is a little bit like cattle, it's only going or horse. It's only going to be horse, of course. Saddle, <laughs> cattle, house, mouse. And and I want to be big. I, I don't. I didn't. Not that that's settling, but oh, struggled because my last line had to be. We never again had a pet in the house because that's what the whole poem. So I didn't want to compromise on that. That took a long time, and it's not that it's so brilliant. It's just that I knew. There was no point in quitting today because tomorrow it's going to be just as hard to rhyme that and next week and next week. So I solved my problems at the moment. Having said that, there are a lot of seeds that do sit around for a while and eventually begin. And, and I think I do this to a fault. I, I have a folder full of, that would, this, there's an idea, that would make a song that I haven't followed through on. Yes, if there's a dry spell, I could go to the folder, and, but I'm usually just waiting for the muse, wondering what's taking the muse so long to arrive. <laughs> and and so, so I don't often go to the folder. Once in a while, I'll have a little something I've worked out on the guitar that just sounds good, and, and I'll just get lucky. The muse will send in the words that go with that little piece. Oh. So that's kind of been in the folder. That little musical piece has been in the, the mind folder for a while before the words join up with it. Uh, I can think of two things that are in the file, in Doris's file, uh, that are, are seeds that haven't yet been watered. Uh, one was, uh, she talked about a, rel a, a relative of hers that was born in, on the it's prairie. My grandma. Your grandma, born on the prairie. And, and she said the words, born in a, bread, but born in a butter box. 
And then she went on to explain that the baby had to be kept warm in a butter box filled with hay in the oven because... The it was grain. She was born in a blizzard in Saskatchewan, December 15, 1915, very remote. And this little baby arrived and they, a, a butter box is a shallow tray where you pour in the cream and then you slice it up into blocks while well, they heated grain on the stove and made an incubator, made an indent and put the baby inside the warm grain. So my grandma always said, yeah, when I was born, if it hadn't been for the butter box, I might not have. <laughs> so, so there's an idea that's still waiting. Well, it's yeah, your idea. But, well, I, I it don't is think my idea, but, still but, but, but the words are so good, born in a butter box, yes. that, that it, it's, it, it'll be there someday. Uh, Doris drove away from an event one time and thought, boy, that's going to be a poem. And it was the, an idea about a flag. Oh, right. And, and that one's been sitting in the got to get to that someday file. So that happens. I don't think either of us use that file as a way to break writer's block, but it's a it's a gem if so, someday you retrieve one of those and you say, today's the day I'm going to write that poem or write that song. Okay, can I ask you guys about AI? Um, well, don't. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Don't forget, cowboy life. They're going to think AI is something quite different. But oh, are they? Uh, Artificial insemination. Yeah, they're oh, going to say AI is. Oh yeah, we well we preg check the heifers and then we go on yeah, to AI. Yeah, I saw a YouTube AI. video on that once. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, sorry, I've never so experienced. We're, we're thinking your your references Arti to this other Arti AI. Artificial intelligence, because I know yeah, I could go yeah. to ChatGP right now and say. Um, cowboy poetry about a butter box uh -huh. and it would probably give me something right and it would probably rhyme well we don't have so, to really so talk I'll about that uh, well saying, we're opposed to I'll that start by saying we don't know anything about artificial intelligence except we hear it on the news and we've never gone to chat gpt we've heard that word we've never looked at it we've all we've, the better we've seen um we're, we're kind of waiting for intelligence, and, and we're, we're not sure what, sure what the buzz is about artificial intelligence. We, 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 had a, we had occasion to see an article translated from French into English recently, and, and as we read the English translation, we realized this wasn't done by a human. You can always it, tell. It was done by oh, a I computer. Think. Well, oh, not only oh, could you tell, it was unreadable. Yeah, but, it was But I could see where a French word had been changed to an English word that was sort of the right word, but by the time you made a sentence of them, it was unintelligible. Yeah. So, uh, so whatever artificial intelligence is, we're not in the game, and we're mostly not interested in the game. And we know that life will, that, that it's going to have a bigger life next year than it does this year, and we're wishing that weren't true. And I'll chime in. We just had a conversation this morning with friends at breakfast. And we didn't talk about artificial intelligence, but we talked about maps and Googling directions. And it's not wrong to have Google Maps in your phone. But, but here's how archaic we are. We all are of a certain age, and we all said, we love a map. And, and you can see the names of towns around you or stumble. Oh, Tonopah. I've always heard Dave Stamey to sing about Tonopah. There it is or look to see you've passed a monument or a state park. And so the most efficient way to get from A to B, I bet Google Maps would tell you. That doesn't mean it's better. And artificial intelligence, not only is it not better, I, I, I see a 
so, some people are going to settle for that, and a lot of consumers are going to buy into that, and it's it's the homogenization of the way that small town main street has disappeared because it's just more efficient to have all the box stores lined up. Well, I think that's what's going to happen with with artificial intelligence. There's still nothing better than looking at a map. Oh, <laughs> and there's still nothing better than putting your hands on a book when you read a book. Oh, that's the, the only way we do it. So um, I, I, I don't see the win with AI. Is it faster or cheaper? Or I, I just don't see any pluses. I don't know, it's there, and I keep bothering people with that question, but I'm interested how other people think about well, it. I don't, but I, we're on from artificial insemination. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something. I didn't think about that. AI, I always think artificial intelligence. But the old maps were really a work of art, weren't they? Mm -hmm. We hang several in our house oh, as art. Good for you. That's a great idea. Oh, we should do that. Yeah, because um, her husband retired. Ron retired from USGS. The interior so department. He, oh. he actually, when he started, he scribed on the maps. So that's back when it was oh, wow. like a Yeah, their house oh, wow. has her art and other people's art and maps. Beautiful. Well, well, I think it's a perfect illustration that when you invent something new, you give up something old. So Google Maps, I used it on the way here. I used the car GPS. But, but something new means something old got lost. Maybe artificial intelligence is a bigger example of that that we're gonna lose a lot as the world moves in that direction. And we're tired of losing things that are good in our life. So, so I think we cling to the things that feel right, that feel human, that feel connected. Uh, and, and whatever artificial intelligence is today and whatever it's gonna to be tomorrow, there's a big loss that somehow is gonna come along with it. Well, it's one of the things that make this event here and you guys go to plenty of other events the same so great everybody's walking around and saying hi and holding the doors for each other and there's nobody like this so and i love it good point i didn't stop to think of that but you're exactly right and it, i mean i'm waving and saying hello and hi and all day long here and yeah you can't do that when people are it's a magical there. event and there's people here who are people yeah. And they're interacting with uh -huh. other people. I love it. Yeah. It really is magical. We know you're on a busy schedule today. We thank you so much for stopping in and spending some time with us. Would either or both of you like to share a poem before you go? Uh, Have you ever done a duo? Mm, no. We've never done a poem as a duo. No, that's not our. I, I'm not, I shouldn't wrinkle up my nose. That's that's. You, you've got Al or you've got me, but we're not. Um, we're not you know, Sonny and Cher, or we don't walk on stage as a couple. We, we some, Al's got a song where I play a little percussion, yeah. or we, we match up our material. Sometimes if, yeah. if he does one about his grandfather, well then, oh, I do one about my grandfather, so we can compliment each other, but. but uh, I'll do a poem about uh, fence posts. Yeah, good, good, good. Great. In the heart of central Kansas, near my daddy's boyhood home, there are miles and miles of fences where the posts are made of stone. In the middle of the Great Plains where a tree could scarce be found, men carved out limestone pillars and they sunk them in the ground. Now when the prairie winds come blowing, those posts don't seem to care as the wires strung between them dance like jump ropes in the air. And standing at attention, 
Their shoulders never tire as they hold to either side of them those strands of old barbed wire. Those posts have stood a hundred years. They'll stand a thousand more, and when the wires rust away, folks might wonder what they're for, but lined up in formation, dressed in limestone grays and whites, they do more than form a boundary. They salute a way of life. They line a road paved with persistence. Not just a homestead, but a dream about a family's subsistence. Those fence posts paint a scene. It's a wagon loaded down with stone. A Morgan fights the rains. A young man wet with sweat is building fence out on the plains. So when I think I've had a hard day, as I haul myself back home, well, I just imagine Grandpa setting fence posts made of stone. Wow, that's fantastic. Great, Doc. I love that. Thank you. Well, I'll do my Grandpa poem. Excellent. Nothing to do with fence posts, but about Grandpa's. Um, and I need not set it up except to say the fourth line is not something I would typically write, but my Grandpa said this all the time, so it had to get in the Grandpa poem. Grandpa wasn't perfect, but he sure came mighty close. He doled out love to grandkids with a big and generous dose. When one of us did anything to brighten up his week, he had tears as big as horse turds running down his cheek. He did what all good grandpas do and did it all with zest. He was unapologetic. His grandkids were the best. We'd We'd sing and play and dance and twirl and rope and race and ride, and Grandpa cheered, our biggest fan, no matter what we tried. But the best thing Grandpa did, and it mightn't sound like much, was to tell us that when he had died, he'd like to keep in touch. He came up with a wily plan. He'd clear it with the boss and come back as a coyote, so our trails would sometimes cross. Well, we thought this was hilarious and teased him through the years until the day the phone call came, then laughter turned to tears. Well, that was 50 years ago and I can testify there's been many grandpa sightings as the decades roll on by. When, my, when I need a little boost or my luck is running thin, a coyote often comes in due. That's grandpa checking in. When the stars are shining brightly or the night is cold and long, I sparkle in the nighttime when I hear coyotes song. So next time on a road trip or you're riding in the hills, your day is choked with thistles or bright with daffodils, let your heart be gladdened if a coyote wanders by and give a little wave. That's just my grandpa saying hi. I love it. Okay, how clever grandpa was because you don't see a coyote every day but no, you, you see it every now and again and you see it all over the west so yeah, I love it. That's more than just a poem. Oh, it... it, it I, I mean, it's more than just an out west poem. Because we can all take that, Well, no matter where you grew up thank at, you that there's that. something that yeah. your grandpa I, I, or your father... Well, when I'm doing that about my grandpa, I, I hope that everybody is thinking of their grandpa, who had a different story and a different time. But that's my goal, is to not be so singularly focused on a technically Western cowboy poem, which those are great too, but I, I hope there's kind of universal feelings in, in a lot of what I, what, what I write. And I'll just say, if you want to shoot that coyote, that's fine with me too, because there's a lot more coyotes out there that <laughs> I can have a lot more 
grandpa sightings. Oh, yeah. thank you both. It was wonderful. Oh, pleasure to chat with you. We can just we can just fold up shop and go home now. This was the best. Oh, no, what a treat! What a treat! Bobby Ann is right here. Oh, hi, too. Bobby. Oh, oh, no, Bobby Ann. Okay. Hi, hey, Bobby Ann. Oh, hey, Bobby Ann, can you take a picture of us then? Oh, yeah, nice idea. Good idea. You betcha. Thanks to Jesse Veter for our music in this episode. The Art Box sponsors, thank you for listening. You can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We welcome all comments. You can email us at artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Quiet songs, big ears, big heart. A girl needs a dog.